Welcome to episode 65 of the Search with Candor podcast, recorded on Friday, the 12th of June, 2020. My name is Mark Williams-Cook, and I am joined by Andrew Kokstarki of Optimizee, the Cambridge-based SEO meetup turned consultancy. And today we'll be talking about garage door spam, the no-follow changes Google made a few months ago, and guest posting penalties. Andrew, thank you for uh, joining us on this episode at such short notice as well. Thanks for having me, Mark. Um, I can honestly say I've been a fan of your podcast since it started. Well, that's a very nice way to start the podcast. <laughs> Andrew, do you want to give uh, a quick introduction about yourself to those that uh, may not know you? Um, so I'm Andrew Kokstarki, um, sometimes known as Andrew Optimizee, because uh, as we discovered, the, my surname is uh, a bit of a, a mouthful at the best of times. Um, and falls foul of all sorts of spam filters and traps and things. So Andrew Optimizee, <laughs> Andrew Kokstarki, either or. Um, I've worked in lots of digital marketing stuff, starting out actually in kind of journalism and content um, and lots of in-house roles. And I chose earlier this year, just before the pandemic, to uh, launch my own business, which was great timing. That's per- yeah, perfect time, isn't it? Because you've uh, now got the full support of the uh, British government, haven't you? <laughs> every single penny that is available for people who have been furloughed or laid off or freelance or that every single penny of that is not available to me it just just very quickly it's, it's pretty much nothing isn't it because you registered are you know so close um to the pandemic happening Did, is there anything available for people that sort of registered in the last year i am not sure how many stalls there are but i fall between all of them so not a penny wow Okay, well, very sorry to hear that, but pleased to hear after speaking to you because of your talents that you are still in work and have clients. Uh, so very happy about that. Um, so, uh, Andrew, we've got a few subjects we wanted to talk about today. Um, and again, thanks for joining us at such short notice. Um, and the first is actually something you brought up to me, which is garage door spam. Uh, super interesting. Found this article uh, actually based from a tweet from a chap named Ben Fisher, who's on Twitter at The Social Dude. He tweeted, Garage door spam gone wild. Hearing today that thousands of new listings are popping up countrywide with fake business.site GMB, that's Google My Business listings, in a few days. And he's included Google My Biz and Danny Sullivan, who's the Google search liaison, saying, uh, just kind of, how are you doing? It's been a while. And this pattern should be easy to knock out. Um, and Danny uh, Sullivan, the search liaison, actually replied that, yes, Google is looking into reports of this. So it is something uh, on their radar. And I believe this kind of Google My Business spam is something that's close to your heart, Andrew. Yeah, it is. Um, so I'm a bit of a fan of local SEO and have um, some clients in local SEO. And I guess the reason it's close to my heart is it's one of the reasons I started doing the uh, Optimize meetup events just because I know lots of people, friends of mine that run their own businesses, whether they're, you know, coffee shops or, you know, big agencies or whatever. And there's so much bad advice out there. And it's it's so hard to go from nowhere to ranking even, you know, on the first page at all for a really niche local search. And then, you know, to find yourself completely swamped out of the rankings by 
millions and millions of completely junk spammy listings or lead gen listings and all this kind of stuff it's really demoralizing um and that you know local seo has this reputation for it in certain industries like carriage doors is one i'm not really sure why i mean maybe we can work out what the pattern is but locksmiths is another one there's a whole thing with like drug rehab centers in the us which is even more kind of evil i guess for want of a better word um <laughs> it's just it's it's really hard and there's so much junk in google maps and yeah, so maybe. one of the things that that interests me particularly is um so for listeners that maybe kind of aren't into seo or haven't done local seo so when we refer to local seo we're referring to when you do a search that google decides is you know the geography is important you get that box appear at the top of the search with a map and you get the map listing so when we talk about local seo we're talking about that and the thing that's particularly interesting me about that is that the two and when i say the two i mean the listings that are in that map pack and the listings that are the web pages the organic web pages below that are run off two very separate algorithms and my impression from seeing these over the years is that the rankings that come below normally below the map box which are the traditional organic rankings are kind of a long-term thing that's one over time and it's very slow to shift those whereas the map listings i would get are or tend to be you know sometimes a lot younger smaller companies and people just kind of drop in there very quickly it's very volatile and it seems a lot quicker to rank Uh, i don't know one if you would agree with that, Andrew, and two, in in terms of when you you're talking about people spamming these listings, what do you mean by that? What have you seen people do? I so say the spammy stuff, and I guess particularly the stuff that Ben was picking up on, is that um, you know Google has spent some money or some time investing in Google My Business to try and make it easier for people to use and easier for SMEs to use. Um, it's this kind of idea of you know, or do I need a website anymore? If I'm just you know mom and pop shop down the road making tea cozies out of crochet. Do I need a website? And Google's trying to make that <laughs> even easier for you. And you know you don't. You can just set up a Google My Business listing. And off the back of this, you can now set up a website. And there's literally, when you go into Google My Business, there's you know all these things you can set, your info, your opening hours, all that kind of stuff. And there's a website button. And you hit it, and it kind of will spool you out a website. You can choose a few colors, put in a few key inf- bits of information. And then, boom, you've got, as you know, Ben's original tweet said, something business.site. So in my, I've I've got one because I you know I've got optimizer.business.site as my as my one because basically all it does is it pulls in your then Google My Business posts, and it it looks like kind of one of those social media walls you kind of see at some of these events sometimes it just pulls in like all your latest posts and stacks them up on a page, but they're just dead easy enough and so then it's just somebody somewhere has automated this stuff, as you know is easy to do enough you know what you're doing with APIs and things and they're just you know, barreling out hundreds of these things into particularly into garage doors, it seems at the moment. And then I guess they're using it to like capture leads and then sell these leads. And that's how they make their money out of it. So because there's a there's been a kind of a slow rollout of new features in Google My Business, like you said, for instance, the I see Optimizee uses products is one. So if I Google, you know, Optimizee, you have that special extra listing, right, where you're listing your products, like your technical SEO audits and a, and a price, right? So this is almost a way to inject more information into Google directly that's very easy to do. Because once you've got that listing, you know, you're, Google's just kind of open the door saying, sure, give me posts, give me products, whatever you like, right? 
Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it is, as you say, it's a way to kind of feed the machine. So if you're telling Google like, hey, I am, you know, X coffee shop and I have, you know, A, B and C products. If you're putting them in a product listing on your Google, you know, it's, it's a really clear way for Google to know, okay, you, you are in this area. You've set up your Google My Business listing. So you've chosen your category as coffee shop and you've now listed all your products or listed all your services and all those things. So it's, it's a, you know, a way to feed the machine and people are doing it. So when you say about people spamming these results, is it just um, what what I've seen people doing is just kind of putting keywords basically in the business name? It, and is that what you've seen? And it's just they're doing that kind of en masse. So they're going for all these niche terms, but they're just creating so many business entries. They're just they're just covering all these niche terms. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, you know, there's a separate thing in terms of then spammy listings. I mean, you know, agencies are as bad as anybody at doing this. I sort of saw some the other day where, you know, they'd listed their name. So it wasn't Kanda, but I'll use you as an example. So it was, you know, Kanda agency forward slash, or they put a little upright pipe in and they put SEO, PPC, you know, all the different possible things you could ever think of to do digital marketing and all the different, you know, like they'd kind of spat the thesaurus out into their business name. And that's one thing with kind of then spamming stuff in. So you think that makes you rank better, but I guess the kind of the more automated spam of these kind of things is particularly around garage doors and locksmiths and stuff. It's like, because people are looking for, so I found a whole bunch in uh, sort of the area near me, which I reported on the kind of, we'll come to, I guess that in a sec about how you get rid of them, but they just clearly automated some kind of process to do emergency locksmith town and all the different districts and towns and villages and suburbs in and around Cambridge. They just did emergency locksmith black. And then, you know, there was kind of 30, 40 of these things all chucked out in Cambridge, all with Cambridge looking phone numbers, but not quite. And <laughs> okay. it was all just clearly just like lead gen stuff. So then you phone up one of these things saying, oh my God, I've locked myself out of my house. It's, you know, two in the morning, please come and let me in. And they're like, yeah, no problem. We'll have a locksmith to you next <laughs> time. And they just sell your leads to somebody that actually does yeah. cream money off the top. So I, you know, I can see nobody's going to be really, uh, <laughs> checking out the veracity of these leads when they are standing outside their house at two in the morning they're just kind of kind of click on the top thing so so they are going you know as you say they've like mad libbed in all these different sort of towns and cities um to get these results so you mentioned there about um actually you know kind of fighting back against the spam so what can companies do if they see these spammy listings um in google my business so i had a really good example of this so i'm part of lots of forums and stuff on social media things just trying to help small businesses usually with this kind of stuff or you know with any kind of just 101 questions they get um about seo because you know we've all seen it you get lots of these kind of snake oil merchants that email you saying oh i'll get you to the top of google for x dollars whatever um but i had somebody ask on one of these forums about you know my client or my company is being completely outranked by all these junk listings we know they don't exist you know we're in a really small niche industry in this area we know that these companies don't exist what can we do about it um, and this was, you know, there was fairly small scale. There was only about three or four of them, um, but it was enough to bump them off that kind of that map pack you were talking about, where you get those first three results on Google when you search for, you know, garage door company, Cambridge, whatever. Um, and the first thing you can do with those is you can go into them, and it's all kind of crowdsourced from Google, so you can just suggest an edit. So there's a little button on everybody's listing where you can suggest an edit and say, look, you know, this place is now closed, or this place never existed, or you know, they're, they're, Lots of people use it to be helpful. Like, you know, this place has updated their phone number and they forgot to change it on their listing. So as a customer, you can go, oh, that's, that's wrong and you can update it. Um, so you can suggest an edit and, you know, change these places and change the listings or say they don't exist. And then Google will then review them. Um, some of it they'll do in a kind of automated way to check if it still exists, um, to check if, you know, things seem kosher. 
um, and then they'll either accept or reject your edit and you'll get a little email notification saying that your you know, suggested edit has been accepted and that listing has been removed. Um, if you get up to kind of, you know, smaller scale, so uh, from gaps kind of like, you know, multiples of tens of hundreds that you maybe want to report, there is um, a redressal complaint form that Google have online. Um, I'll send you the link. We can put it in the show notes, I guess. Um, and you can submit multiples in there. You can submit a spreadsheet listing out all the all the spammy listings that you found and again, send it straight to Google to say, look, these things don't exist or these people are you know ripping the system off or trying to game the system and get rid of them that way. A few days ago, Google published their 2019 Google Web Spam report, which I will link to in the show notes, along with the other links that Andrew mentioned in the previous section, and you can get them at search.withcanda.co.uk. Now, something interesting came up in this Web Spam report. So as I said, I'll link to it and you can have a read through it. It's really interesting seeing some of the statistics about the huge amount of spam um, that Google is fighting. And I think sometimes actually we probably, you know, we complain about search results sometimes, but I think we probably don't appreciate just how much spam google is actually protecting us from um that's just being published online automatically the the numbers they put in there are just astronomical so i think they're probably doing a better job than we give them credit for but there was one particular uh tweet by aj cone that really interested me which was basically this what this web spam report talked about one of the biggest types of web spam that Google is combating is link spam, which uh, unfortunately we have to admit will be uh, due to SEOs, black hat SEOs, you know, spamming links and trying to basically pass page rank to sites that don't deserve it. And AJ Cohn tweeted, uh, reading Google Web Spam Report 2019, and then he said, did I miss the announcement that rel equals sponsored and rel equals UGC would be used for ranking purposes? So if you've missed that previous um, podcast or announcement, I will link to it again in the show notes. It was episode 27. We went through the new uh, Google announcement on uh, rel no follow and the changes they published there so to give you a very quick reminder for many years now we've had the rel no follow attribute that we can put on links which is when we're saying to google we basically we don't want to vouch for this link so google doesn't pass page rank through or didn't used to pass page rank through any rel no follow link so you would use this when you link to sites that you didn't trust or perhaps sites that uh, had paid for a link because obviously it's absolutely fine if websites want to advertise on your site to drive traffic. You just need to mark those as well no follow to say to Google, look, they've paid for this link. And in this update, Google introduced these two new attributes um, called rel sponsored, which is obviously for links that have been paid for and rel UGC standing for user generated content, which were ways to mark links as those things specifically. So the, the issue they were trying to tackle here, we believe as a whole is that many publications, um, especially newspapers were 
blanket applying this row no follow attribute because it was easier for newspapers to say well we're going to just no follow every external link in the hope that well in in the reasoning was they didn't have to then worry about if they were linking to a bad site that might get them penalized or if they were ranking to a competitor that they might then make rank better they just said look let's just put no follow on on all these links we're talking about and the downside for google on that is that these publications were actually sometimes quite helpful in determining which content which pages are good and which are bad so part of this announcement they bundled out was they're going to start taking this row no follow as a hint and that means that at google's discretion they may actually pass page rank through no follow links if they think it's a genuine editorial citation um, and I think this is particularly to cover these these particularly big uh, media sites. And they added in this rail-sponsored rail UGC. Um, and the initial thinking here, which uh, I, I spoke to AJ about, was our understanding as an SEO community was that Google at the time basically said it didn't matter as a webmaster if you use no follow or if you actually bothered implementing this rel sponsored rel ugc and i think that was an important thing for google to say because as seos we have uh, relationships with development teams with companies and there is a cost to these things you know if we say to a company okay well uh, it's no longer enough to no follow the links we use for advertising we need to go and update them all to say rel sponsored well, that's a small change, it does incur a cost. Therefore, most large companies, you know, will want to know what the financial benefit is for them to spend this money. And Google kind of said, well, you know, take it or leave it. It's there if you want to use it. There's no, there's no, there's no penalty if you don't use it. So the understanding here and uh, the assumption was, well, the reason Google's doing this is because as they say, in this Google web spam report, they said that we're using machine learning in the front line to tackle web spam. So if as webmasters, we provide them with the data set that sell, that specifically and explicitly says this link is sponsored, this one is UGC, what it does is it provides their machine learning algorithms with labeled data. And labeled data gives them this this stick in this line in the sand, this stick to say, look, this is what a sponsored link looks like. This is what a UGC link looks like. So if they have enough data on these other variables, they will be able to improve their detection of which nofollow links they should be taking as a hint, which should they, they should be taking as seriously because they've identified it as sponsored and real UGC. Now, because of the way they worded this post, AJ Cohn raised this point saying, well, you're saying it's a ranking factor, which is something different because you're um, you're in you're you're saying that this could affect websites directly. And the reply again from Danny Sullivan, the search liaison from Google, to his tweet was, "We never said these have no impact on ranking. We said we treat such links as hints, not to credit for ranking purposes, which obviously means they're." A ranking impact if we don't use some links, um, just as always in this case, there's no follow. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on this, Andrew. This to me actually now feels different to my initial understanding of it, which is that Google seemed to be saying if you are using rail sponsored or rail UGC, that they will 
definitely treat those links differently. They're not going to pass PageRank over them because you've explicitly said that. So they're not only using it as a as a training tag, but they're actively using it. Do you have an, a, a kind of an opinion on that that line of thought? This is a really interesting one because AJ is one of those people that doesn't talk a lot about SEO. And, you know, I count myself in the in the camp that probably talks about it too much. And, you know, I spend way too much time on social media. But when AJ <laughs> kind of pops up with this kind of stuff and poses questions, it's always worth checking out. He generally has pretty insightful stuff to say. But my first thought when I looked at the stuff and I saw his tweet about it, and I, I was like, Google kind of gaslighting us a little bit here. It's like, I'm pretty sure that what they said was one thing. And now when I look back and it's like, well, maybe they didn't. And I, I'm, I'm not quite sure. Maybe, I, maybe I'm rem misremembering it. Maybe they did actually always say that all along. But yeah, I mean, I, I remember this when they first brought out those real UGC and real equal sponsor like, attributes that it was like, well, hang on. People express, expressly asked, you know, if I've already no followed all my links, do I need to bother to use these? And there were some pretty clear answers saying, no, you don't. It's fine. You know, you're not going to be penalized if you don't. It's just to help, you know, if you would do this if you were going to be a good web citizen. So it's a good thing to kind of like help Google make the web a better place by using these, you know, attributes to help us, as you kind of said, like to identify for the machines to say, okay, right, this is what a sponsored link looks like. This is what UGC content looks like with links in it. Right, okay, now the machine's getting more intelligent. It can pick this stuff up better. But yeah, looking at that kind of the, and again, yeah, I feel sorry for the Google team, really. Like, you know, everything they say is, picked over with a fine tooth comb by some pretty forensic people. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, you know, we, you know, Danny was, you know, on some webinar or whatever, and it's like, oh, he said this thing, but he was touching his left ear when he said it, which means that it's not true. And, you know, everything <laughs> they must get, you know, it must be absolutely agonizing for them to think about the words they're going to use and the words they're not going to use. And yeah, it, it's, a, it's a really tricky one, but it, it does seem a slightly different interpretation from what I first thought it was. Yeah, I mean, we get we get that feedback from Google a lot, and we always have, which is, you know, Google's guidance, you know, for over a decade has always been, you know, use this line of thinking, uh, and you'll just be okay. Content, right? we, yeah, exactly. Just just make good content, and you know, the the difficulty of people who work as either agencies or even in-house or certainly as freelancers is that we're held at the sharp end of the stick which is you know if you're incurring cost if you're telling us to do things if you're if we're paying you for consultancy we need to see results so and you know seo is in my opinion in many ways the summation of of lots of small things because there are lots of things in seo where you know people are like well it depends yet yeah, this is ideal but it doesn't matter hugely but you know optimization is about taking all of those dozens of things where yeah it matters a little bit and doing them all because in combination they they give you you know this they give you a a result um, and they you know they, they give you better rankings and you get better traffic so it, I think it does frustrate SEOs when, you know, and, and I can see the frustration, like you say, from Google's side, which is Google's like, look, you know, this is actually really complicated. And if we commit to saying one thing, it's it's open to be misinterpreted. And we're definitely going to set people galloping in one direction. Because, you know, if, if Google says this is a ranking factor, then, you, you know, that's going to be quoted, you know, time and time by SEOs and push hard. Whereas when they make these more generic statements about this is what you should be aiming for, 
it, you know, it's more frustrating for SEOs, but it's probably closer to the truth. But again, harder for SEOs to get their changes kind of kind of made. So, I mean, my I, I guess I'll ask you if you agree with this, Andrew. My, I guess, analysis of this, my summary is if I was a website owner, it means that it pretty much doesn't matter to my own website if I use rel-sponsored or UGC or just no follow, but that will have an impact on the websites I'm linking to. So from my point of view, if it, if I, for instance, link to a site that is bad, that Google would not like me to link to, it doesn't matter whether I use no follow or well-sponsored, whatever. However, from a probability point of view, if I am that website being linked to, if I have a rel-sponsored or rel-UGC, the chances of me getting PageRank from that link are reduced pretty much to zero. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think I, I would agree with that interpretation. I say it's that it still comes back to that. If you're a site owner and you you already know followed the links that you think should be no followed, rather than just doing one of these kind of blanket no follows, do you need to do anything extra? And the mm. answer is probably not. Just from a selfish yeah. point of view, will it affect your site? Probably not. Will it affect the site? Should yeah. be almost certainly yes. I guess the other thing I, I would say is this is a kind of the ebb and flow of like you know what SEO and Google is, which is why it's exciting for people like you and me, right? But this is the kind of culmination of Google reaping what they sow. Like so newspaper websites as we kind of talked about as the kind of archetypal blanket no followers this that they no followed everything because google scared them like you know there's all these people on the sites getting penalties for linking out to things they probably shouldn't have been and not marking up stuff that was advertorials and blah 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 and sites that were you know gaining from that that shouldn't have been were messing up with google's search results so they started dealing out all these penalties for like you know you should no follow these things and so everybody got frightened by this and that's when this kind of blanket no follow things it's just much easier for we'll just blanket no follow everything and then we don't have to worry about it and then that messed google up as well because then they lost a huge section of the link graph and they couldn't use that stuff to then influence mm -hmm. things because so then they had to change their mind again and they've now i'm picking it and now we're getting all this kind of stuff where people are trying to reinterpret things of like what well, does should i know follow this and what how when should i use this ugc thing and should i use really sponsored and and now you know i suspect that it, like everything else there'll be a ebb and a tide with this and then you know, something will change again in a few years time. I mean, my uh, my personal conspiracy theory, which people are welcome to come and attack me about, <laughs> is that uh, Google had been um, had been giving whatever you want to call it, page rank link equity for to no follow links for a while before this announcement from just an very anecdotally from stuff i've seen i would conclude that and i think what's happened is as they've done their kind of reviews of search quality or whatever that they decided they couldn't do this reliably enough and which is why they've brought in this rail sponsored rail ugc to help them make those decisions better because the problem is exactly as you said which is you know and i think it applies even to social media platforms, because the blanket answer historically was, you know, do links from social media help ranking? And very simple answer looking at what we used to know about how websites link together, which is no, you know, if if nothing else, because they're all no followed. But as I've seen you talk about before as well, there's a lot of nuance to that about, you know, entities and popularity and what we're talking about now, which is that, Google cannot anymore work on the principle that 
they shouldn't assign page rank if a link is no followed. So yeah, I think interesting times and you know, and more than ever, we don't particularly need to worry that, yeah, we got that brilliant bit of news coverage from a top tier publication and they won't apply, you know, or they won't remove the no follow, not as important as it used to be. I love a good conspiracy theory. And that's a good one. I think it's not a hat on for that one because it seems quite sensible, really. Okay, finally, we want to talk about guest posting again. And this is particularly interesting because in the last episode where I spoke to uh, James Brockbank, who did an absolute brilliant podcast with me about link building, we brought up the subject of guest posting. And we kind of both concluded that, yeah, it, if done right, it's okay. And really interesting uh, thread that Andrew actually raised with me today. So, this was, we kind of first became aware of this uh, because it was shared by Dawn Anderson, a very well-known uh, SEO, suggest you follow her if you don't, who posted a link to an article on SE Roundtable, which was entitled Google, all guest posts, or all guest posts, links should be no followed, paid or not. And, you know, I can agree with that headline because as I raised in the last podcast, Actually, the Google Webmaster guidelines, when they talk about link schemes and when they specifically talk about guest posting, they are quite explicit when they say that you shouldn't do guest posting en masse. That's against Google's um, Webmaster guidelines. And it doesn't even mention the word paid on that whole page about guest posts. What they're saying is if the reason for the post is links and you're doing it en masse, that is bad. However, um, there was a uh, conversation uh, started yesterday, so June the 11th, by Mark Preston, who tweeted John uh, Mueller, who obviously is our pretty much main touch point at Google now, uh, if you're on Twitter. And he said, since your recent tweet with SEM Rush, which is obviously referring to, again, what we spoke about in the last podcast about SEM Rush offering a guest, basically a guest posting service, I think it would be fair to say. It would be good to get total clarity as there now seems to be a lot of confusion around. We all know that quote unquote paying for a guest post is against the guidelines, but what about guest posting in general where no money changes hands? And John Mueller has replied, the part that's problematic is the links. If you're providing the content slash the links, then those links shouldn't be passing signals and should have the rel sponsored slash rel nofollow attached. It's fine to see it as a way of reaching a broader audience, which is really interesting because what you know John is is saying effectively is all guest posting, and there he's carefully defined it as when you send a post to a site saying here is some content that your users will find valuable how many times have you heard that and you've included links to your own or sites you're promoting these links should be no followed and the quote that dawn anderson again who i say is an seo highly respect very been in the business a long time uh, really knows her stuff what she said in light of this is interesting times something is brewing 
only my opinion based on seeing this kind of build up before 2012, which I assume she's referring to the Penguin update, uh, but expect a slew of manual penalties to start to be dished out over the next few months. Uh, so for, firstly, what, what's your initial reaction to that, Andrew? What are your thoughts? Um, I'd echo your your thoughts about Dawn for a start. I mean, again, she she's in that kind of AJ Cohn category of, you know, she doesn't talk about SEO nearly so much as, as lots of other people do, but when she does, it's always worth listening. Um, so yeah, when she kind of raised that and, you know, when she goes out on a limb, say, I think that something's brewing here, then that makes, you know, people like me think, actually, yeah, maybe there is. Um, I, I, I'm really torn on this kind of stuff because I, I know Google are clever, but the, how, how clever can they be? Like, I think sometimes people overestimate <laughs> how those machines could possibly be. Yeah. So like the example, it, so we're doing this interview now and you're going to put this on the Canda website and maybe put the transcript on those things. And if I mention optimizey.com, maybe that get picked up in the transcript and there's a link to my website maybe. And is, is am I effectively guest posting on the Canda website now? Should, should I ask? Well, yeah, this, I mean, this is interesting because, uh, you know, in specifically in the Google guidelines, it says that, you are basically not allowed to send free products for a link because that's something everyone used to do. You know, it was like, here's a free pair of trainers, write a review on your blog and link to us. So Google's like, well, no, that's not a natural citation. Don't do that. But, you know, I link to everyone that's on the podcast because I think obviously there is value to my users there because, you know, they've heard you or whoever speak and they want to know where you're from. But what you're essentially doing is gifting me if you like with your knowledge which is what we sell as seos so arguably is that a free gift and should i be no following the link i'm going to place to optimize it yeah so so if i send you an invoice does that mean you won't know follow it <laughs> well no it's definitely the paid link then isn't it it'll have to be real sponsors it's very meta um, I, so and, and be very be very careful with your answer because you know i will no follow this link based on your answer so you know what what's your honest opinion on this kind of disinteraction we're having and and what's your interpretation on google's guidelines should this link be no followed well, so it's all getting very meta because like when you were asking me to come on the podcast i was actually listening i'm a bit behind on the catching up on my podcast but i was listening to the episode where you were talking to james and his kind of definition of you know whether you should or you shouldn't try and get a link somewhere was if google didn't exist would you still want a link there and the kind of example you were saying like you know to kind of build your brand so is the are the people that listen to the candor podcast the sorts of people that i would like to raise my brand away probably half of them and never most of them half probably underestimating but most of them probably never heard of me so getting my name out in front of them and they might think oh who is that guy that's good kind of branding and good awareness for me. So if Google didn't exist, yeah, of course, it'd be a great relevant place for me to be. So I, I think, Mark, you should definitely like, do follow, like as Barry did with your link today, <laughs> a big do follow in there, because that's a thing, right? Yeah, exactly. That's that's definitely a thing. Um, yeah, so <laughs> you really tickled me there. So I think it, it is really interesting because, uh, I mean, I know Mark Preston himself uh, focuses particularly on kind of technical SEO and on-site SEO. He's not particularly into the link building world. And to rewind a little bit to, um, I'm going to be very careful about this. So I had a discussion with an SEO uh, yesterday, so Thursday, about um, kind of this guest posting, about the SEM rush thing. And we were we were talking about some sites that we saw were 
commonly coming up on e- those emails you get. You know, you get those emails when they say, oh, hey, like basically I'll sell you links and they give you a list of sites, right? I assume you've had some of them as well. One or two. Yeah. So we were looking at these sites and one interesting thing that came about was I noticed that um, we, we Canda, had a link from one of these sites on uh, on this list of um, sites that someone was saying, okay, we're, we're selling links. And, you know, I was chatting to this person. I was saying, well, that's interesting because, you know, we, we didn't pay for this link. It was a situation. It was actually a Harrow request. So I help a reporter out request where I wrote an article in response to a reporter wanting to know something or a webmaster. And then they published my article and they linked to me. So the the conclusion I think I came well we came to was there are certainly an awful lot of sites that don't know that they're selling links because there are sites that regularly accept contributions from other experts, webmasters, whoever. And I think what's happening there is that people build relationships with these sites and they become regular contributors. And those people that are contributing then decide they're going to monetize this contribution by emailing lots of people basically saying, oh, I can get you a link here. And the reason is because they essentially guest posting for this site. So that's something that I consider, as you say, when you say about how smart Google is, how are they going to know when it's actually the site is selling links or they have, you know, um, people posting who don't have many scruples that are essentially selling these links because we've got a link on a site that I now know someone is offering to sell links from and going with that the person I was speaking to uh, had actually experimented in buying links from a whole range of these sites for their own affiliate sites and they said to me well you know the links they looked a little bit crap in that some of these sites were you know quite obviously guest posting sites but it worked. You know, I did nothing else. Um, I had content. I had some pretty stable poor rankings. Um, I spent a few grand on links. And then a few months later, I I had much better rankings. So uh, I think you've hit the nail on the head, Andrew, when you kind of said how smart can Google be? And, you know, I guess my question to you is, you know, what, what do you think are the ramifications, you know, if Google get it wrong? So if, uh, you know, if if you've genuinely written for this website, but someone else is selling links to it and I buy from it, what happens if Google decides that site is just a, a link selling platform? I think there's there's a big risk there, if I'm honest, because, you know, so that example of the site you were talking about where, you know, you'd already got a link and earned it, you thought, through the right channels and doing the right kind of things and making useful contributions. So what if you've got a link from a site that three, four years ago was really reputable and good, but then since then, maybe their editorial standards have drifted a bit and then they start selling links left, right and center. Should you be then going back to disavow that link that you quite rightly earned? It's it just, I don't it's this kind of stuff, I guess it kind of brings us full circle really back to the garage door spam. It's like, you know, Google always talk about, oh, you know, they remove all this spam. And I think it was like 25 billion pages they've removed from the web or from their search results um, in that, uh, webmaster central blog post you were also talking about but it's like that's just a drop in the ocean really isn't it you know a lot of these businesses that get squeezed out by these things or you know get wrongly penalized it's like they're like a fraction of one percent it's a rounding error for google so if you get caught up in something that you know maybe you 
thought you were doing the right thing, but they penalize this website, which ends up dinging your rankings. You're one site out of trillions of websites. It's, it's just, you know, you're not even a bit of grain in Google's desert. They don't care. <laughs> Andrew, uh, we're, we're already at uh, pretty much 40 minutes now. Uh, so I'll have to end it there. Thank you so much for, again, short notice, taking the time to come talk to us. Really appreciate it. Uh, just Google Optimizey if you want to find Andrew. Absolutely fine SEO. One of the best people as well for networking. Uh, I see him everywhere sponging up and talking to other seos absolutely brilliant resource for information um we will be back on monday the 22nd of june for episode 66 as always if you are enjoying the podcast please do subscribe you can find the transcription of today's episode with the do follow link to optimize and all the other links to everything we've talked about at search.withcanda.co.uk i hope you have a great week